Okay, I want to uh, review last week's gospel and then also this week's gospel. Um, so I know some of you just put this away. Grab your missalette and turn to page 50, just as a little refresher of our gospel passage from last week. So uh, leading up to this point, Jesus is doing what he does best, right? So he is, he's preaching and he's teaching and he's casting out demons and he's healing people and doing all kinds of amazing things, cleansing the lepers and, and curing the blind, you know, whatever, like people, and people are seeing this and experiencing it. And so they're talking about it. And, and so naturally they're just like gravitating toward him. Like he's like, he's this big magnet basically. So, so anyway, these large crowds are following him. And that's how our gospel began last week. At the sight of the crowds, what happens? Jesus's heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Right, this, this image of, of Jesus like seeing these people just like desperate, desperate for somebody to lead them and point them toward the kingdom of God. And, he, and so he sees them and he's like, oh man, like isn't this sad that, that they, they don't have anyone, right? Which, which is strange I talked about because they had leaders, but the leaders were not acting like appropriate leaders. They were not really acting like shepherds. Uh, and so anyway, so Jesus then, he turns to his 12 and he, he says, okay, we got to ask the, the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. And then from there, he turns to his 12 and he, he gives them what? He gives them his authority and he sends them out to, to, to do what? To drive out demons, to cure disease and illness. Uh, th this is this incredible thing where Jesus, he turns to these, these people, these disciples, and he makes them apostles. An apostle is someone who is sent. And he doesn't send them out to kind of fend for themselves but he sends them with his own authority. That, that he's not just saying, yeah, go figure it out. But he's like, no, 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 I'm sending you as though I myself am going to all these people. I'm expanding my reach by, by giving you my authority to go. And so, so they go, and it's an incredible thing. And as they go, he tells them, he gives them instructions about what to do. Uh, as you go, uh, don't, don't go to the Samaritans yet. We're, we're focusing on the house of Israel for right now. But then when you go, make this proclamation. In other words, preach. When you get to these people, make this proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then do all these amazing things, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons, all these incredible things, do this. Okay, so, so that's, that's our gospel last week. Now, you, you maybe know this, hopefully you know this, that during ordinary time, we just kind of slowly work our way through one of the gospels. This year, we're working our way through the gospel of Matthew. So before we flip the, fade, the page, I just want to take a, take a quick look here. When it says gospel there on page 50, right above the passage, uh, in italics, in a small letters, it says Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through chapter 10, verse 8. Okay, so, so last week we heard the last few verses of chapter 9 and the first few verses of chapter 10, finishing with verse 8. So now if you flip to page 53 in your missalette, uh, where it says gospel, again, before we get to the passage, in italics, what does it say? Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 through verse 33. So in other words, what happens? We skip a bunch. We skip a number of verses, which it's not like the end of the world. Um, it's it's not, the, not the end of the world, yeah. But I think it's an important chunk of passage to read. So we're, we're going to get to our gospel passage for today. We're going to look at it again. But before we get there, I just want to talk about what we missed. So Jesus, is, he's continuing to give them instructions about the way that he wants them to go, right? And this makes sense. If he's giving someone his own authority, uh, in other words, if he's making somebody go and act on his behalf, then he's going to want them to behave in a certain kind of way so that they don't falsely represent Jesus, but instead they appropriately represent Jesus and actually show people who he is and what he came to do. So he tells them, okay, as you go, uh, take no gold, nor silver, nor copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff, right? All these different things. Like, don't take any of these things with you, but instead allow the people that you're ministering to to provide for you. And he says, when you get to a town, 
Find out where you can stay, and when you, you get there, wish peace upon that place. And if a peaceful person lives there, your peace will, will land on them. But if a peaceful person does not live there, then your peace will return to you and it's gonna be okay. Right, that, that's the kind of thing. So he gives these instructions, but then something happens. In chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus, um, well, it's actually, it begins in 14, but, but in 16, there's something that, that changes about his tone. It, it's, it's this really striking kind of thing. So you gotta remember, he sees the crowd like they're sheep without a shepherd. And he's sending out his apostles to be like shepherds for them. But then in verse 16, he says this, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So he sees the people one minute as sheep, but now when he's sending his, his apostles out, he now sees them as wolves and his apostles are like sheep. What do you what do, you do when, you put a, when you send a sheep into a pack of wolves? You're sending it to its death, right? You know that sheep is not going to last long because the wolves are hungry and they're going to they're devour, right? This is how Jesus is seeing the sending out of his, of his disciples. And so in, in, one, in one way, you could see kind of leading up to before this, it's like, oh man, this is awesome. I get, I get to be part of the mission of Jesus. I get to do all these amazing things. Maybe in some ways it's kind of scary and, and like it requires real faith and real trust in the Lord. But, but at the other, in, in another way, it's just like, this is awesome. But then when he says, you're, you're going like a sheep in the midst of wolves, you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you want me to do what? Right, like you want me to, to go to my death, right? So, and then he, he talks, he says this, beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. He's telling them, this is, this is the result. I'm, I'm sending you out in, in this way, but you just gotta know that the response of you going out and preaching the kingdom of God is going to be incredibly unpleasant. They're going to flog you and persecute you. They're going to, they're going to deliver you up and bring you on trial. And then he goes on to talk about how families are going to turn against themselves because of the message that they're going to preach, that, that brother is going to hand over brother to death. And children are going to hand over their parents to death. And, and parents are going to hand over their children to death that there's something about the message that they're preaching, we're gonna talk about this in a minute, but there's something about the message that they're preaching that is incredibly provoking. And, and we, don't, we don't necessarily know this today. So many times in, in today's world, if we hear someone preaching a message that we disagree with, we just sort of ignore it or dismiss it as like, oh, that person's crazy, right? Like much how most of you, when you hear me preaching every week, you're just like, oh man, father's crazy, right? Like that's, that's kind of the, the general mentality. But for, for this kind of message, we, we don't know, Right now, we don't know specifically what the message is, but, but whatever it is, Jesus is telling them that your message is gonna be so strong, so provoking, that it's not just that they won't be able to ignore you. They, don't, they won't want to ignore you. They're gonna to wanna to kill you because your message is gonna be so strong that they wanna find any way they can to just shut you up. That's, that's the kind of thing that's going on. And so Jesus is sending them. He says, you will be hated by all for my sake. And when they persecute you, this is how you're to respond. So the, the, the message of the apostles, of the, 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 the leaders, the shepherds that Jesus sends out for his church is meant to be incredibly provoking. Why? Because, because Jesus sends them into the world just as he comes into the world to interrupt the status quo. He sees these people wandering off a spiritual cliff to their eternal doom, to their eternal death. And he's come into the world to interrupt that so that they can turn away from the cliff that leads to death and walk toward the valley that leads to life. 
That's why he's come. And this is why he's sending out these people. And, and we, we know that even outside of the religious context, if someone comes into our lives and interrupts our routine or interrupts our status quo, for, for many of us, we find that incredibly annoying, right? It's like, don't tell me, don't tell me to change my ways. Don't tell me to, like, I've got this system going and this system is great. Now you take that into an eternal context and, and someone comes in and tells me that if I don't change my behavior, I'm going to hell for eternity. And if I don't change the way that I think, I'm going to hell for eternity. Well, how much more am I going to be incredibly infuriated by that? And so it makes sense that these people want, want to kill them. And Jesus is telling them all of this, right? He's, it's, like he's, it's like he's this coach that's giving his players a pep talk. Like, you got you to be ready for this. Like, we're going to go into this thing, and it's going to be incredibly difficult. And in fact, it's going to be so difficult that people are going to try to kill you because of it. But I'm telling you this so that what? So that you can know when it happens that I know about it, that nothing surprises me. But instead, what I want you to do when you face this kind of opposition, I want you to persevere, he says. He says, he who endures to the end will be saved. So there's a message in here of, of yes, Jesus wants them to go out and, and, and try to save people from this spiritual cliff. But in another way, there's this sense of Jesus just wanting them to preserve their own life by enduring, by persevering in the mission that he's given to them. This, this, is, this is what's going on. Okay, now, now, that's where we get into our passage for, for this Sunday. So now open up your missile back to, to page 53. So the very first line jumps in at this point. So Jesus tells them they're going to persecute you. They're going to hate you. But then he says what? Jesus said to the 12, so this is right in line with this. He says, fear no one. A more accurate translation is have no fear of them. Who is the them? Well, they are the ones that Jesus was just talking about that we skipped over in our, our passages here. They are the ones who are going to persecute them. So he's not, he's not giving like a general, like, don't fear anybody. Although maybe that's part of the gospel, but just not part of this passage. The passage that he's talking about, the thing that he's talking about is don't fear the people who are going to try to take your life because the people are going to try to take your life and maybe even will take your life, he's telling them. They can harm your body, but they can't touch your soul. And so he goes on. If you look four lines down, it says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Jesus is aware that, yes, people want to cause us harm, physical punishment. And he, of course, knows that more than any of us does. He suffered eternal uh, or not eternally, he suffered capital punishment in his body, but no one could touch his divine soul. And so he's telling them, look, you're not going to be any different than me because you represent me. So whatever I receive, you're going to receive the same. So don't be afraid of those who can hurt your body, but they can't touch your soul. Instead, what does he say? Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Another way to say Gehenna is in hell. This, this is something that we don't talk about much in today's world, in today's church culture. Be afraid of the one who can destroy your soul. Who's that? God. Who has authority over your soul? Who is going to judge you, your eternal soul, for all of eternity? God is going to. And Jesus says, actually, don't be afraid of these people that are only concerned about the body. But instead, be concerned first about the one who's going to judge your soul. How many times do you hear this talked about, how we should actually have a fear of God? Not because he's bad, but because he's going to judge us according to our actions. He's going to judge us according to whether we live according to the gospel. And so we should actually have this, this healthy kind of fear, not like, a, like I'm so scared of him because he's bad, but it's, it's that he's so good. And so I actually fear offending him because if I offend him, that means I'm going to be separated from him for all of eternity. 
Like this, this ultimately is, is the message of the gospel. The, ultimately, the message of the gospel is this, that, that Jesus comes to point us beyond what we experience here and now, what we live for here and now. And I know that I talk about this all the time, but we can't ever not be reminded of this, that Jesus comes to point us to a life that is to come, to his kingdom. This is the message that they go and preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But it's not just the kingdom that's at hand, right? The kingdom has come to us. But if the kingdom has come to us, then that means we have to live according to the kingdom's laws. To talk about, to tell people like, hey, heaven has come, that's not really a provoking message. So the message that they preached, and we can look at this from, from other parts of the gospel, the message that they preached is a message that says, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and so we need to live according to the laws of that kingdom. We need to change our behavior. We need to change our way of thinking and put on an eternal way of thinking, an eternal way of living. And if we don't do it, well, then what does Jesus say? He says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. This, this is the message, is, is if we don't receive the kingdom and its laws, that means we are denying it. And if we are denying the kingdom of God and its laws, that means we're denying Jesus. And if we're denying Jesus, that means he will deny us before our heavenly Father. Like this is, this is an incredibly, so, so putting all of this within the context of Jesus is talking right now to his leaders, to his shepherds, and he's sending them out with this message. And he knows that as he sends them out with this message, that it's not going to go well. He knows that many people are not going to receive it. In fact, we know from another part of the gospel in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow gate for the way is broad and the, 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 the path is easy that leads to destruction and many there are who find it. And the way is narrow and hard that leads to life and few there are who find it. He knows that many people are going to reject his gospel. And so he's sending out his disciples so that they know this, so they can find comfort in this. But the problem that we face today is ultimately a similar problem to what I talked about last week. Because just think about this. How many times have you heard a homily throughout your life? How many times in your life have you heard some sort of preaching that's provoking you, that's forcing you to make a decision about something incredibly difficult that you naturally disagree with? How many times have you heard homilies about, about things like same-sex attraction and homosexual relationships? Where someone tells you, I know you might believe this, but this is what the gospel says. How many times have you heard homilies about abortion where someone says to you, I know you might believe this, but this is what the church teaches? How many times have you heard homilies about things like, well, to miss mass on Sunday is a mortal sin. To miss mass on a holy day of obligation is a mortal sin. And if you commit a mortal sin, that means you have killed your relationship with God. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you heard homilies about difficult things? Like I said last week, so many times our, our current leadership in the church, and, and it's not just current, and, and it's not about necessarily specific people, but it's about a whole like decades and decades and decades of, of leadership have failed miserably to preach the fullness of the gospel. So that now what happens? Our general disposition as we come to mass, as we hear preaching, is we just want people to make us feel good. Our general disposition is, well, if Father preaches about something that I disagree with, I'll just go find another priest who'll tell me what I want to hear. Or if Father tells me something that I disagree with, well, he's just crazy. I don't have to listen to him. When in fact, Jesus 
intends to send out his shepherds with a message that is provoking, that is meant to be either accepted or denied with no real middle ground. The word deny, it means to formally say no, de negare, uh, to formally say no, or a synonym, to reject, re uh, jacare, which means what? It means to throw back. Think of, think of like a fisherman, right? You put, it, you put bait on a hook, you go and you catch a fish and you reel it in. As soon as you reel in the fish, you have a decision to make. Is this a keeper or do you throw it back? This is the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about. He's like, you're either going to keep me and cling to me or you're going to throw me back. And whoever keeps me and clings to me and acknowledges me, I will acknowledge before my Father. But whoever denies me, I too will deny before my Heavenly Father. This, this isn't the current culture that we have in the church. The current culture is we just want to keep people to hang around and, and try to tell them that, well, you don't have to believe everything. When in fact, the message of the gospel is meant to be incredibly provoking. And that doesn't mean that every single homily has to be about something controversial and difficult. That's, that's, not, that's not the point at all. But the point is to say, like, are we cultivating an environment where our first disposition is not what do I feel and what do I think, but what does Jesus think? What does the church teach? This, this is the solution, ultimately. It's the same solution as last week, which is to rely first and foremost and entirely on what does the Bible teach? To rely first and foremost and entirely on what does the Catholic Church teach? Because the Catholic Church is the church that Jesus gave his authority to. And so, so for me, as a preacher, my disposition is not like, well, what do I think is going to you know, make people feel the best? Or, 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 or what do I want to preach about? But my disposition has to be Jesus. What do you want me to preach about this weekend? And your disposition as people is not, well, I hope Father really you know, builds me up and, and makes me feel good. And maybe that'll happen from time to time. And that, that's always a good thing. But our first dis disposition is like, what does Jesus teach? And how do I need to conform my life to that? And maybe, maybe for some of us, we've already conformed our lives to it, right? I don't want to pretend like this is a totally faithless community. That's not, again, that's not the point of what I'm trying to get at. But the point is just like, what is my natural disposition as I preach the gospel? What is your natural, natural disposition as you hear the gospel? Because if it's anything other than a total surrender to Jesus Christ and his church, then ultimately that's going to lead us down a path that leads toward denial of Jesus, which is going to lead toward a path that leads toward his denying us before the Father. What we need to do as a people is we need to pray for each other. I need to pray and ask the Lord sincerely, Lord, how do you want me to preach? How do you want me to be courageous as I, as I go and proclaim the gospel? You need to pray and say, Lord, how do you want to speak to me? How do you need to call me forward to live a life of virtue, to turn away from sin more fully and toward a true and authentic Catholic Christian way of life? But then... I also need to pray for you, right? So that, so that as I preach according to what I believe the Lord Jesus is telling me to preach, that, that, that you might have ears that are open to hearing it. And you need to pray for me so that I can be open to truly hearing what the Lord has, right? Like we have to pray for ourselves. We have to pray for each other so that together we can all share in this one thing, being, being the shepherd of you, but also together being the sheep of the Lord's flock. Jesus, who is the good shepherd, who has laid down his life for us. And we want that laying down of his life to have some effect on us, the kind of effect that leads to true and authentic faith.